Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 98, I'm your host Jared, joining me as always is Jordan. This is America. And Dom. The, yeah, this is America. Yep. This is Michigan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dom is back from his vacation, well it wasn't a vacation you were working, but he's back. No, it was a vacation. Oh, it was a vacation? It was a vacation. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, so we didn't have you last week. Um, I guess we can hop into what we've been playing. I finished Wolfenstein 2, which is great. I love that uh, just yes. to, to go behind everything. I, I messaged you that picture of like the credits, and I was like, Dom, look. And I was like, oh, he's going to be excited. He saw that I have the credits for Wolfenstein 2. And you were like, what am I supposed to be looking at? <laughs> yeah. Wait, I didn't have any idea like what game those credits were from. So just like looking for a name that... I assume, like, you saw someone with my exact name or something. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I looking for you? <laughs> uh, I don't want to spoil too much, because obviously Jordan is waiting to play it on the Switch, but, man, you're you're not wrong that that game ramps up once you get New Orleans, and there's some crazy stuff that goes down. Um, yeah. The, the, whole, the whole courtroom sequence, I don't want to say anything other than that, that whole thing blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Even the way it, like, ends, you, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, it just... were you, like... Go- about to be pissed, like seriously. Yeah, I was seriously. just like, I was like, where does this go just... from here? Yeah. yeah, and then you're like, oh, okay, all right, fuck me. Uh, yeah, it's when P. Hines talked about that game room. turning the the crazy, the crazy shit lever to like eleven, he was not wrong. Like that game just ramps up, and what the hell is going on? Um, yeah. I love the cast the characters. of characters in that game. It, yeah. I thought the cast of characters in the first Wolfenstein were great. I think this group is better. Obviously, we get some of them from the first game, set in Max and stuff, but all of the people we get introduced to, like the people from New Orleans, that small group when you have that discussion with that guy over the table when you're drinking. That um, scene. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the I don't want to ruin that for Jordan, so I don't want to say that, but there's a part in the game where, you, where you, uh, you're in a vehicle, that I didn't know you were going to be able to be in or on, and that was really impressive. Um, that game, it just has a lot of surprises. The gunplay is phenomenal. Like, Machine Games knows how to do that. That's not, not a the surprise, but everything else, there's just, like, one thing after another. They're like, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Um, after you, after the whole Roswell thing um, with Super Spech, that thing was surprising. Didn't expect that to happen. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a great game. Um... Did you watch past the credits, Tom? Yes. Yeah. Mm. I think so. so, I mean, this isn't a spoiler, but Hitler's in the game, Jordan, obviously. A game about Nazis and Hitler's in it. Um, I've seen that. I've actually seen one of the scenes because I was watching a video about how they censored it in Germany. Makes sense, I guess. Yeah, um, like he doesn't have the mustache and he's not called Mein Fuhrer, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that whole scene, Dom, mm. what is, shame. is a setup for Wolfenstein 3. The next Wolfenstein. Because, like, the way they introduce everything, the way they stay on the certain aspects of him, um, I think is playing up the point that, like, the, the regime isn't as healthy as we believe it to be. And I think that's the focus of the third game is, like, that whole thing, you know? Um, I really enjoyed the game, though. Um, I don't know what else I want to say without spoiling anything. Do you have anything you wanted to talk about? Because I know you'd have been waiting for me to finish it. I might not know if I watched past the credits because what you just said doesn't make any sense to me. Well, no, the thing I said about Hitler happens in the game. That's a mission in oh, the game. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, then when yeah. you, yeah, when you, when you audition, all that stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil any of that. Yeah, that that whole thing. Um, 
the, the end credit scene is something entirely different that I don't even want to touch on for fear of spoiling it for Jordan. Um, but that kind of stuff leads a little bit into a sequel or something as well. Um, oh, yeah, man. But, and then what I did not expect, maybe this is what you were alluding to, but how can I say this without spoiling it? The stuff that is about BJ that's, like, deeper. Oh, you know? are you talking? You know I don't think that's a spoiler, The like, where you look at his past and stuff. I don't think that's yeah, a spoiler. Yeah, so there's some flashbacks. Yeah. That are surprisingly good and like holy crap, this is like this is storytelling, like ooh. Well yeah, the great thing is that they, they touch on that at the beginning of the game is like, oh, you're looking into his psyche and his past and who how he was how he became the person he is, and it just kinda goes back on that over and over again. I think it does a really good job of that. Um, obviously, there's like specifics of it that are, are spoiler, but the fact that you go back and you explore his childhood is something I didn't expect in this game either. Um, I think that's what really helps the game feel well-paced and put together is that you have these crazy like action set pieces throughout the game, but you also have those flashbacks that are a little bit more grounded. You have those more human moments, and I think those two things balance out well because if it's like the lever is pushed to 11 the entire game, you could feel like distant from the story and the characters. But a lot of the time yeah. in the game, you feel connected to them and the events they're going through. And the crazy thing with Wolfenstein is, like, no one's not ex- no one's not expendable. Like, they're they're not a af- machine games is not afraid to have these characters become endearing and then just not have them around anymore. It was the same way in the first Wolfenstein, and that's what I like because those connections you build with those characters mean so much more um, because you don't know who's going to make it and who's not. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know about the whole post-game, uh, how that's lined up, but that's really cool. Um, I don't know if you looked into that too much. This isn't a spoiler or anything, Jordan, but after you finish the game, there are certain targets of, like, uh, Nazi leaders that are still out there in the country. Oh, and you can go and, like, attack them specifically in their own, like, contained missions, which is really cool. Um, that's very cool. Yeah, so there's a, a, some good post-game there. Uh, the other thing, I think the base for the game, like the the ship that the like your whole crew stays on the entire game and where you come back to, you, is really cool. I think it's a really cool hub for a game. Um, yeah, the stealth mechanics I think were really well done in this too. I think it was the <clears> same <throat> from the first Wolfenstein, just a little bit more polished up. I never felt as if any of the missions that seemed like they were alluding to you going stealth with it made that difficult at all. Because obviously there's some missions where being stealth isn't even viable but a lot of times they'll show you when you enter a level like hey there's a lot of shadowy areas and there's a lot of cover you probably want to maybe sneak around and uh yeah i love playing stealth in this did you do any missions in stealth dom at all yeah i think one or two i was heavy on yeah i i loved the game it's fantastic machine games i think games. the first one has some solid stealth as well yeah, I think, that's why I said, I don't think this is a major, like, oh, they improved in everything dramatically. I think they just tightened some stuff a little bit. Um, gave you some favorable leeway in, in the in the stealth that I think is just a little bit improved, but still still as good as it ever was. Um, Man, other and Jared. Than, yeah. I'm just going to say that moment with his pregnant girlfriend. You know, that moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, like didn't know what to think. Well, like, the, the crazy thing is that the game has around. several moments like that where your jaw's just hanging. You're like, did I just witness this in a video game? You know, right? It's crazy. I love it. It's awesome. Um, I also played uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon some more. I'm still catching Pokemon left and right. We have a Pokemon story later in the podcast we'll be talking about. So I'm still in that that Pokemon phase. It's the handheld game I'm currently playing. Um, 
I'm trying to think of what else I played. I've been playing some more Marvel Strike Force. Uh, as of the day of recording this, the 17th of May, um, they added Deadpool to the game, which is really cool. Um, and they, I think the, a, a good job they've shown with the characters that they add is they make the mobile app centered around that character in a really unique way. So when you load up Marvel Strike Force now, instead of it having like the collage of all the characters, it's just Deadpool doing a bunch of different things. Um, one of the types of events you can do in the game, when you do it with uh, with him in the game now, it's just him. Like you don't have the team because he's like, oh, I'm Deadpool. I can do it all by myself. So they theme a lot of the stuff around his character. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, besides that, played some more PUBG as normal. Um, I was planning on starting Rise of the Tomb Raider, but I hadn't gotten around to it yet. I was doing a lot of other stuff. Um, I also picked up Lego Worlds on sale on the Switch. I own it on Xbox, but I'm playing it portably is a lot easier. Um, really quick in terms of comics, I was telling Jordan before we recorded, I finally read Kingdom Come. Have you ever even heard of it, Dom? No. So Kingdom Come is a four-issue Elseworlds series that basically centers around a really interesting future in the DC universe. I kind of really don't want to give you any more than that. It's basically a future where there's older versions of the superheroes that, that you know from DC and you love. There's some like deep cuts of characters you may not know. It is a fantastic story. Um, I, I've never read Dark Knight before, um, but this so far, in the little bit of like DC knowledge I have in terms of comic book series and events, this is my favorite thing by far so far. It's only four issues, Dom. It's not very long. It's incredible. Like the way they tackle writing Batman in it and Superman and Wonder Woman is really great. I think they nail those characters pretty well. Um, the deep cuts they have are characters that you probably won't know. I didn't know them. Um, but that doesn't detract from the story at all. I think it actually enhances it because you learn about these characters in the context of an older Wonder Woman, an older Superman, and an older Batman. And uh, to give you the quick pitch on it, Dom, it's basically a future where the older superheroes that we know and love don't really do it anymore. And there's a younger class of superheroes who don't do it for the right reasons in terms of helping humans or justice or hope or anything. They simply do it for the pleasure and notoriety of being a superhero to the to a fault mostly. Um, they, they're, they don't care about killing villains. They don't care about um, destroying cities. They don't care about any of that. All they care about is being the next big bad superhero. And that's kind of where the story starts off. Um, and most of the story actually isn't even told from the perspective of any of the heroes. It's told from the side character you meet at the beginning of it um, through interesting ways that I don't obviously want to spoil for you. But if you can get this on sale or pick it up or however, I highly suggest reading it, Dom. I know you're a huge Batman fan. I think you'll enjoy it. It's it's super awesome. Like, I was yeah, surprised. Yeah, cool. um, I'm definitely not the DC guy, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Dom, are you aware of Elseworlds? No. Elseworlds is basically out-of-continuity DC stories that are usually um, kind of like almost an unrecognizable version of the character. Um, Gotham by Gaslight was actually the original Elseworlds story where it's, uh, you know, back in the, what, like 1800s, I guess, um, which obviously Batman was never around back then, so it kind of like takes them out of their normal world and puts them in an Elseworld. Um, huh. I get it. I see. Uh, also, Jared, I think that I well, I know that there is a uh, 
a sequel to Kingdom Come as well. Yeah, there's also the guy who wrote Kingdom Come, the name escapes me, sorry about that. Um, he wrote one for Marvel called The Marvels, and apparently that one's really good too. That one's told the, from the perspective of somebody else, and it takes place between 1939 and 1970, and it mostly focuses on like Captain America and stuff. I haven't read that yeah. one either, but it's by the same author who wrote Kingdom Come, and people really enjoy it. Um, the cool thing with this one is that Elseworlds stories do take place in like alternate universes and realities outside of continuity, Dom. But this one isn't right. so far removed where it's hard to like understand everything. You know what I mean? It's still the heroes yeah. that you mostly recognize and understand. It's just them older. Um, and there's some other things that I don't want to get into, but it's definitely not like off the railroad tracks, which isn't a bad thing, but. Yeah, Kingdom Come is amazing. Um, I finished the first Avengers for the 2018 uh, Fresh Start. Enjoyed it. It's interesting. Nice. Uh, have you have you already read it, Jordan? Yeah, I've, I just read uh, the second issue that came out yesterday. Yeah, so I purchased that too. I haven't read it yet, but um, obviously the, the first issue ends with a cliffhanger of like the Celestials falling into uh, the, the universe. Um, I didn't read too much into Legacy. I partially touched on it, so like the whole, you know, the beginning of the issue where it talks about uh, the Avengers 1000 BC or whatever it's called, 1 million BC, sorry. Um, Dude, I love that shit. They, yeah. they, it seems like it's going to be a continuous thing that they kind of draw from and, and flash back to. Yeah. And uh, they do it again in the second issue. Like, the, the Black Panther looks so cool. He looks all, like, prehistoric and shit. And... Um, yeah, I, I really dig that stuff. Yeah, the cool thing done with this, I don't want to go on too long so we can get to what everybody else has been playing, but the way they're doing this new fresh start for Avengers, Dom, is everything was super convoluted as it does get in comics where everybody was separate doing a bunch of stuff. They didn't really have a lot of the main core Avengers in the Avengers anymore. So this new fresh start, the issue focuses on Tony, who's back for... I don't want to get into why some of these guys were gone. It's like convoluted and whatever. But Tony's finally back. Thor's back as Thor. And Captain America are back, right? The three main guys. And they basically are talking... Steve Rogers. Yeah. They're basically chatting about... Good point. Uh, another convoluted uh, thing about Captain America. They're basically chatting about bringing back the Avengers. And uh, they're, they're having that discussion. Obviously, Tony's a little hesitant. Steve wants to have the Avengers back. And um, this Avengers crew also has Black Panther, Doctor Strange, uh, Captain Marvel, Ghost Rider... And I don't know... And She-Hulk. So outside of, like, Ghost Rider and She-Hulk... A lot of these guys are people you'd recognize from, obviously, the MCU, Dom. And that's what it seems like their focus is, is, like, getting people who have fallen in love with the MCU back into comics and giving them, like, an Avengers comic that they could put their, like, wrap their head around, you know? Because it's a bunch of characters that you recognize from the MCU. Um, so I read that. I also read the first issue of Despicable Deadpool, which is crazy. Because um, I'm, I'm feeling that Deadpool hype for Deadpool 2. That first issue, Dom, ends with... Deadpool ripping off Cable's arm and attaching it to himself to be able to time travel. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, in, in typical Deadpool fashion. It's like he yeah, just rips off his arm, attaches Cable's arm to himself so he can time travel. Uh, his Deadpool AI takes over Cable's AI. Crazy comic crap. Um, that's pretty much it for me. I rewatched Deadpool in anticipation for Deadpool 2. Nice. Still a great movie. Um, yeah, that's oh, pretty yeah. much it for me. I've been babbling for so long. What about you guys? Uh, speaking of comics, I've still been burning through <laughs> Walking Dead. You sounded like a zombie. It's pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's pretty good. Where are what, you? At are you head? like on volume two or farther than that? Have you just been like? Oh yeah, it? no, I'm. I'm like, 
I have like one more volume in the first compendium, so I'm on like seven, I think. Oh dang! Do you know what issue you're at? I'm not sure, but they seem to have finished dealing with the governor. Um, but I'm pretty okay. sure he's about to come back around. Um, okay. So that's where I'm at. It is. It's. It's good. It's really interesting because uh, how you know what I'm used to with watching this show and how <laughs> not only different. like <laughs> right, but like so much you better. Know, some characters are dead or don't exist or whatever, but then some characters are just in t- they're the, you know same character, same name, but entirely different. Like Herschel is holy moly, he's a different person in the comic. Yeah, um, as one example, but but it is it's really cool. It's it's been fun reading through it. I've got it on my phone, so it's really easy to just burn through like yeah everything really quick and uh, the comicsology comics comicsology. It just sounds weird coming it's out of a weird, mouth. It's a weird word, yeah. The, the app is really nice where it actually takes you, like, you just double tap and it takes you, like, from... Panel uh, to panel, yeah. Right, and even zooms in where it needs to and stuff. It's really nice. So, been reading that. Uh, saw a whole bunch of movies. Uh, obviously, Infinity War uh, was really, really good. Even though I, you know, haven't seen most of the other MC mo- MCU movies, it was still pretty good and it was fun. Um, on the plane my vacation i watched uh, justice league which is also surprisingly pretty good uh, i mean the characters kind of don't really have any depth at all but that's kind of how infinity war was to me because i hadn't seen the previous movie oh god they um, have so much depth <laughs> right well a lot of it is kind of like over my head right well technically yeah, you kind of watch both the movies with the same context behind the characters considering he hadn't seen like a majority of the mcu exactly yeah. so yeah. that goes to show you like well, we're, Justice League is the same effect as someone who didn't watch the rest of the MCU. You get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, the last 15 minutes of Justice League are really solid, though, and show the, like, oh, this is, like, the future they want to go to, a more brighter uh, look to the DCU with, like, even the scene with uh, Superman bracing the Flash and stuff. It's way more lighthearted than, like, anything else in the DCU. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the beginning of Justice League where you've got Batman actually being Batman and then uh, Minus Wonder his weird Woman. upper lip. <laughs> Are you thinking of Superman? Oh, I thought you said Superman. Sorry. <laughs> You're talking about when like, he's on the roof. Yeah, when he's on the, the roof fuck? being well, I thought you meant Batman does like a... Oh, no. <laughs> You're talking about the, the nah, really cool the, roof uh, scene. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, with the guy from uh, Mindhunter and uh, then Wonder Woman's bank heist scene. I like that stuff. Yeah. Oh, Superman was awful in this movie, though. He was just terrible. Like, he was written poorly. He was acted poorly. It was just shit. I'll say that at least. But It's a mess of a movie. Yeah, it's it. You know, it's it's what it is. It's almost know, as if two directors yeah. worked on it <laughs> and yeah. mashed stuff together. Um, yeah. Also watched Black Panther finally. Um, nice. That was pretty good. I uh, you know I, I mean what everyone said is uh, I pretty much agree with. Like the villain is really cool. Um, and it sounds cheesy, but I liked. It sounds like simple. Like more superhero movies should have a plot like this, where like you only half agree with the villain and and you know the protagonist you know they each kind of have like some good points but also have some both have some really bad points right where like initially i'm like wow everyone in wakanda is fucking selfish and horrible and like fuck them right um but i also kind of got it i was like yeah i see why they wouldn't want to want other people to spoil it you know kind of reminds me of uh, someone in charge uh, nowadays but um then killmonger like you just love him because he's fucking he's really cool um 
and you I want to like agree with him not necessarily like his final outcome I don't know if that's really smart but you know he just wants to get the, get the word out all the cool stuff they have but yeah um, but yeah I thought it was a really cool movie um it, it, there were a lot of parts in the beginning like this just kind of drug on and I'm like mm. um but then like the whole second half I was like all right this is this is sweet this was all worth it this is really cool you um, show me armored rhinos I'm in dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, there's some weird stuff where I'm like, with like the loyalties of the different armies at the end, I'm like, I don't know, whatever. I'm I'm cool with it, you know. Yeah, um, I think Okoye's yeah. arc is really interesting, where she shows she is loyal to the crown above all else, and that kind of takes everybody by surprise. They're like, she was so close yeah. to T'Challa, and she's like, No, I serve the crown. I don't serve T'Challa, which is like, Yeah, it's kind of shitty, but I understand it. It's kind of like a Sir Barristan Salmi or whatever from Game of Thrones, where it's like, yeah, he yeah he's tied to the throne. Doesn't matter if it's a shitty king or not. You know, he's kind of like got to do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah, and I and I appreciate that. You know, when when movies just you know point out hypocrisy like that yeah. and just like, yeah, okay, I thought you guys were all like, you know, you're all part of this tradition and so on and so forth. But then when like it doesn't go your way, all of a sudden like you can't just back out now, right? Yeah. So that was interesting to see her. Yeah. Uh, um, do that, but yeah, so, it's a good movie. <laughs> Jared, wouldn't Barris and Selmy be the opposite? Because doesn't he like throw his helmet down at Joffrey's feet and go hang out with Daenerys? Uh, well, up until that point, I'm trying to remember why he left. Because I remember he throws down his sword and he's like, "I would slice you all." I thought it was that like he was getting kicked out. I, I didn't think he was leaving. Right? He got yeah, demoted. But he was getting. He was getting kicked out for, like, political reasons. Yeah. yeah, but he didn't get... He never left, is what I'm saying. He got kicked out. He never left. Like, even when the Mad King was assassinated, he stayed at Robert's gotcha. side, you know? Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so I watched all that. Um, a lot of good superhero movies <laughs> in the past few weeks for me. But as far as video games, I only played God of War and a whole lot of it. Um, so finished with the main story which was absolutely phenomenal and I stand by what I said this is the game of the generation so far um, what I was surprised to also see was how well it handles the post game stuff um, I've never been more motivated to keep playing a game and go do different stuff after I finished the main story than I was with this game so it was really cool so I ended up finishing like all the, the post game uh, realms you can go to and all the extra challenges and stuff and all the all the Valkyries and so on. So now I'm actually like, all I gotta do is click, kill some, some uh, what do you call it, ravens, uh, collect a few artifacts, and I'll have myself a nice shiny platinum. So, nice. Game of the generation. God of War. Off the top of your head, do you know how many plats you have? I know it's not a whole bunch, but I know it's a decent amount, right? Because you have Bloodborne, you have a couple. It's like 12 or 13. A lot of Telltale games in there. So. <laughs> That's not bad. Yeah, those are, yeah. Those are different. Like, yeah. Uh, Hitman Go and shit. <laughs> yeah. But you have the Bloodborne plat, so that's impressive. Yeah. That kind of balances yeah. it out. Uh, Jordan, what about you? What have you been playing? So, uh, I'll come right back into God of War. I've been playing a bunch of that. I'm finishing it up. Uh, got a few more of the main missions left. Uh, oh, but I so you don't even know. You don't even know. Just so, get actually, that's one of the things that uh, I was going to mention is like, um, I'm sure I know that there are twists and turns to come, but a couple of the ones that I've finally gotten to, which I felt took way too long to get around to, um, I still feel like, yeah, I kind of saw that stuff coming. Um, 
Like, uh, I just feel like the two that I've seen so far, I just felt like, yeah, that, that, I mean, that pretty much makes sense. Uh, still kind of surprising, but at the same time, I was also like, well, I mean, that's not too far. I, you know, I, I probably could have uh, figured that out. I, I could definitely see where that's coming from. So, um, you know, apparently you and everybody else are saying that there's way more shit, Dom. Um, but, uh, I'll say this, this is not a spoiler, I can say this without, uh, Jared, get, Jared getting spoiled here, um, I've gotten past the part where, uh, Atreus gets sick and then healed by the witch, you know what I'm saying? So you do know... Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is, like, these twists are just like, yeah, 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 pretty much so you okay all right well also the twist after. about it the twist about atreus is like if you know anything about kratos it's like duh we're, we're gonna have to <laughs> chat after this because yeah i mean it just kind of like makes sense we're in dangerous territory and i don't want to say anything but i don't even know if this is a spoiler like i think we could i think i could ask jared a couple questions and he would make he would like get it himself well let's see real honestly quick. real when, quick do it real quick. Let's okay, see. so so well, you'll first. I need to make sure you have a general knowledge of um, Kratos, the original. Have you? Yeah, have you? Like, what? Which God of War games have you played? I played one and two, and part of three. Oh shit! Better question is, let's see how much I remember uh, of. Do of you those know? Games. Do you know who's, who Kratos' father is? I want to say Zeus, but that's wrong, right? Yeah, no, that's okay. correct. Okay, so if. If uh, Kratos' father is Zeus, that would make him... They say he's a god. I say he's a god because he killed Ares and took over Ares' spot as yeah. the god of war. Hence but the they're king. saying because of the Zeus thing, he's a god. I'm like, no, that makes you a demigod, but you are still a god because of the Ares thing. Yeah. Anyways, so you know that Kratos is a god, right? Well, yes. if he has a son, what does that mean his son is? Oh, yeah, that's entirely... They give that away in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, they give that's the not, Yeah, that's not it. But yeah. that's the twist. Is that oh, Atreus no. is no, no, a demigod, no. or like a god straight up? They call him a god because, like I, I said, I think Dom's thinking you're... about a different twist. Yeah, there's a lot more. There's we're talking but, about different things. But when he gets healed, when he gets sick, and he's out for a mission or two, and then you go back and heal him, that's the twist. Is like, well, you have to tell him what he is, Kratos, and it's like, ah, boy, no. you are a god. Okay, well then we're thinking about different twists. <laughs> yeah. But you can agree <laughs> that the game treated that as a twist, right? Uh, they also gave that away in the trailer. It's like the moment you see the kid sick, you're like, "Oh, he's getting his powers because he's a god." That's what I already, I already right. knew. Exactly, that, yeah. exactly. Yeah. They treat it in the game. They treat it as a twist, regardless of the marketing, where they're like the whole because the Dom the whole game they're going, Kratos, you have to tell your son about <laughs> who he is. I'm like, well, fucking yeah. duh, man. And like yeah, if if uh, if um, Atreus had half a fucking brain, he would realize that his father isn't a normal human being, like. No normal human being can do half the shit that he's doing. Yeah, um, that that I, I could I could buy because he makes comments like, "Yeah, our dad's always been super super strong." Right, and they, there's yeah, things he's that like he's starting to question though. He's like he's like tossing do do like pillars over his head and shit. I'm like, dude, are you dumb? Because you're clearly <laughs> the kin of a god right here. But anyways, the game treats that as a twist and like builds up to it with talking about, "Oh, Kratos, you got to tell him. You got to tell him." It's like, well, obviously. After and the then, first reveal trailer, I thought he the kid was actually before we knew his name. I thought it might have been Oler. 
who's obviously a Norse god who's handy oh, with the bow and stuff. Um, oh, I didn't know about that. That's cool. Yeah, so that's who I thought it was. Shout out to the video game Smite for teaching me about all our <laughs> the Norse god. Fuck yeah, dude. I am enjoying the tidbits of Norse mythology that I'm learning, which is a great callback to the original God of War series because there was so much cool tidbits of Greek mythology that you learn with that, those games. So yeah. Um, but anyways, to the game itself, um, holy shit, Dom. Especially the first one, but the fucking Valkyrie battles are such garbage. Fucking really? bullshit. Have you not fought a Valkyrie yet? I've beaten all of them. Dude, the first one, because I fought her when she was introduced, right? Yeah. And, okay, here's the thing. Besides the Valkyries, I think this game is easy. Like, I rarely, if ever, die, and yeah. even then I have a resurrection stone. And that's not how God of War games are, in my opinion. Like, the other God of War games were much more just challenging. Not even difficult, but challenging. And this game has not been a challenge. But then, like, I'm running along. I'm like, damn, it's been hours since I've even died. And then it's like, we'll go in this little chamber right here. And then this Valkyrie's literally dragging me by the head across the arena. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, this is a fucking difficulty spike right here. Which, in my opinion, basically any difficulty spike is really just poor design unless it's a game like dark souls where they're like super trying to go that way um but otherwise yeah i just don't like difficulty specs i think they're poor well, see, design and that's that, really a bad one see i i look at i don't know i found it differently because the first time i ran into a valkyrie early on i was like yeah she just whooped my ass and so i was like okay this is i'm not meant to do this right now right and so, so that was actually back to it right so that was kind of my point about or part of my point about how the how well the end game stuff is because that you know, realize like oh well now I'm I forgot all about yeah you know, that that Valkyrie bitch I'm gonna go back you yeah. know and do this now um, yeah so that kind of fed into that there's other things that make the end game are they stuff, optional uh, cool absolutely yeah. optional okay. yeah but but the way they were introduced it's like it's introduced at a certain moment in the story and at that moment in the story I was just laying dudes out like no problem whatsoever and yeah. so when they introduced it naturally into the story I'm like oh well it's time for me to try this and the difficulty just jumps the fuck up and I'm like wow why would you fucking do this why wouldn't you just introduce them towards the end of the game but yeah after fighting the second one I'm like alright clearly this is late game shit and I'm just gonna save yeah. the other six because there's eight of them um, but the thing about that is, it's not just a difficulty thing. It actually, uh, especially once again, the first Valkyrie uh, shows the weaknesses of the combat to me because the first Valkyrie has attacks that, uh, Jared, you won't know this, but um, when someone has like a prompt that is like a yellow, it's almost like a yellow halo goes up over their head, that means that they're about to do an attack that you have to block, right? Okay. And if they do a red one, then it's like, you can't even block this shit. So uh, the first Valkyrie has an attack that has a yellow halo, and you still can't fucking block it. Like, it'll just rip right through your shield. And I'm like... Yeah, that lightning thing, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wait, so some yellow attacks... Yellow attacks, like, in the tutorial it says, hey, yellow attacks are meant to be blocked, right? But then there's other yellow attacks that, like, you can't even fuck with. Like, yeah, to go fuck yourself. And then there's the fucking red attacks where I'm like, there's most people's red attacks you can get out of the way of. Like, you can either dodge or you can get far enough away from them. The Valkyrie and ones she are tough. Has, They're quick. Well, she has a red attack that you can't do anything to. It covers the... It's an AoE attack that's like a shockwave, and it covers the entire arena. So, And that's the one where it darkens everything, Dom. 
um, where everything gets dark and there's like smoke all over the place. She flies up in the air and like bursts out a shockwave. Oh. Uh, and you can't defend against it. The only thing that worked, which... I think if uh, you're far enough away, it just doesn't hit you. No, I've been at the other end of the arena because it's a circular arena, Jared. Um, and every time it hit me, the only thing I was able to do, and I only got to do this once because it was very tough to get the timing down, is if you have Atreus shoot an arrow at her right when that halo pops up, you can interrupt it. But the timing on that was ridiculous, so I, I was never able to do it more than once. But this is the type of stuff I'm talking about where it's just like the weakness of the combat is shown here, and uh, this is what I've been talking about with God of War is... Um, you know, every game has weaknesses, and if you lean off when your weaknesses are present, then they don't seem as obvious, and to me, they aren't as upsetting or, um, you know, as glaring. But then, when you, like, lean into your weaknesses, it looks really bad, and that's, uh, unfortunately what, in my opinion, happens in these situations, so, um... the combat's so, it's like, it's crazy how different we are, man. It's, like, so good. It's, like, almost as good as, like, Dark Souls. As far as third person, no, dude. That's the that's another thing. Is like, um, to me, the the wave of games of the last like five years, I would say, that have tried to copy Dark Souls or Bloodborne ever since Bloodborne um, is annoying to me because no one can do that stuff like uh, from software. And so when these other games are trying to be like that. They just don't get it right, and it never works out in the correct way to me. They're always like little parts that From wouldn't make this mistake, but you guys are making this mistake because you're not, you don't have that like very particular expertise in that very special particular area that From does. So this is another one of those examples, unfortunately yeah. for me. So Jared, I, I I look at it as like it's like a perfect cross between, um, like God of War combat like you're used to, um with Dark Souls, like, it's, like, right in the middle of those two, as far as, you know, arcadiness, um, and finishers and stuff, and then with kind of the, the tactical sort of Dark Souls type stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I actually don't think it's, like, I don't think it's a perfect cross, obviously, I made that clear, but I think it's a cross between, uh, uh, their best attempt at Souls, really more closer to Bloodborne, and uh, like Shadow of War, I think it feels way more like Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, than it does to God of War. Um, but part of the Valkyrie thing is um, the best way to beat the Valkyries is not to have the most powerful attacks or to be super leveled up. It's that you have to hit everything. So if they're doing an attack that you can break with break or block with your shield, you have to get your shield on at the right time. You have to yeah. know when to. You have to like just the patterns. Well, yeah, but you, like, but this is, like, really pushing it on you. Like, you have to have the parry down. You have to have the mm-hmm. um, uh, the dodge or the dodge roll down, uh, which are two different things. And um, that is my biggest complaint of the combat throughout the game is that it's not precise enough, and that's one of the biggest areas where they fail in trying to emulate the Soulsborne combat style because that stuff, specifically obviously Bloodborne, because that's the one I've played the most of, is so precise and you can tell the expertise that From brings to the table and this game just is not as precise especially when they're asking you to be extremely precise in these Valkyrie battles with your parries, with your blocks and with your dodges 
Um, the dodge, especially, man, is so fucking slow to me. It's like I hit the button and five seconds later, Kratos rolls out of the way. Obviously, that's an exaggeration, but that's what it feels like sometimes where mm-hmm. I'm like, fucking get out of the way, dude! He's just not doing it. So um, the lack of preciseness is the, my biggest complaint with the combat. Um, but, you know, the character, Val- the Valkyrie characters look amazing. And um, there are parts of the battle that I really enjoy. But uh, like I said, when you're leaning into what I perceive as their biggest weaknesses in the combat, then it uh, unfortunately does it a great disservice. So, um, But nonetheless, I am... Uh, moving further and further along in the game getting closer to the the main story end but i i feel like i'm gonna end up uh doing some more of that late game end game stuff because i do enjoy the game um if if you know listeners of the audience of the show doesn't know by now i'm hardest on the things that i love most uh god of war being one of my favorite series and sony santa monica being in my opinion one of the more talented studios um certainly sony's top tier then um i'm gonna be harder on them and so that's why uh it probably seems like i'm complaining a lot about this game over these last few weeks but uh that's because i have such a uh, strong passion for the series so um but i talked a lot about god of war so uh i won't talk about much else uh just another shout out (laughs) fucking dom witcher 3 bloodborne i mean come on bro come on really it's better than bloodborne dom it's it, better than Bloodborne. It does more. Better, yeah. I think it's, it does more. It does more. would be the argument, right? Well, like, Bloodborne does, I'll say, two things. And that, those are the only two things it does at all. And it does those two things right. really, 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 really well. God I would War actually... does five things really, right. really, really well. And I'm going to numbers, but... I yeah, I would say God of War does, does seven or ten things. And I will say, Dom, I agree with the fact that uh, God of War does a lot more, but I don't agree that it does it better. Um, so, but anyways, um, uh, besides that, I just want to give a quick shout out to an anime that I've mentioned before, uh, which is Record of Grand Crest War, also known as Grand Crest Senki in Japan. And it is a, uh, you know, uh, like medieval fantasy um, has a lot of Game of Thrones vibes to it. Uh, basically, in a lot of ways, I don't like simplifying things in like the the Skyrim with guns uh, type of way, but it is kind of a Game of Thrones anime. A lot of uh, political intrigue, magic, um, really great battle scenes. Uh, not just with like entire armies, but also like one on one combat. Um, really great characters, really great story progression, like there's a lot of cool arcs going on, and then the main arc itself is extremely uh, compelling, Uh, so becoming one of my favorite anime series, and you know, it's brand new, it's not even finished airing yet, so I'm really surprised at how well it's going. Uh, Hopefully sometime it'll get a dub, because I would like to rewatch it in English, because it is very complicated plot, and in a good way complicated plot, um, and so having to read the dialogue as text, um, I think I would probably enjoy it a little bit more if I was able to just sit back and listen to the dialogue and uh, experience it that way. But obviously the Japanese voice actors are great, and uh, I enjoy that series very much, so highly recommended coming from me. But yeah. All right, let's hop into the news now. Um, first thing we're going to talk about, uh, this happened like, I want to say the end of last week after we recorded Jordan, but Bosky Productions shut down. Um, yes, yes. 
If you're not familiar, and water is wet. Yeah. Uh, via Twitter, Cliff Blazinski basically announced that uh, Bosky Productions is shutting down. Uh, Lawbreakers not succeeding. Had to do a lot with it. Also, um, they kind of pushed towards radical heights way too late, and it didn't give them enough financial stability to keep going. So that's really tough. Um, yeah, it's radical heights, man. That was weird. Like you could tell when they released it that they were desperate. Like. Yeah, you know, uh, Lawbreakers didn't do what we wanted it to, and so we're putting this out, early access, we're going to try to use it to basically fund our studio and keep us going. And I was like, damn, dude, that sounds dire. And it hasn't, has it even been a month since uh, Radical Heights was out? Because they announced it and released it basically at the same time, right? I think it was like a month and a half, yeah. Yeah, it has not been very long, and so it's it kind of sucks. I mean, you know. I like Cliff Wazinski, and I'm sure he had some talented guys over there. And Lawbreakers didn't look like a bad game. It just seemed like it was uh, late to the party as far as the... Um, hero shooter? The style hero shooter, online multiplayer type of games go. You know, Overwatch clearly wears that crown. And then they basically did the same thing uh, where they're trying to make a Battle Royale game after Fortnite specifically and PUBG is around to kind of steal their lunch money so and personally i think they i have no idea obviously but i would speculate that they would have been better off just investing more back into lawbreakers you know create a new mode a new event and trying to give the game you know a second life under its same name instead of trying to create a whole new name right yeah um and maybe they can get lucky like even like no man's sky potentially could have had a bit of a resurgence i mean and that was a much worse situation from the front pr wise but yeah. If it was me, I just from the little I've read in articles, it's just you know, I have no idea what went on and you know the details and everything. But my like broad speculation, I'd say like maybe they should have actually put more into Lawbreakers and tried to make it work instead of jumping sh- the ship. Well, uh, I don't know. I think they did give it a lot of time. There was a point where Lawbreakers had less than fifteen active players on it. You can't rebound from that. Holy shit, are you serious? Yeah, they had less than 15 active players. 15, Fucking one five. A, man. Um, that is fucked up for a game that had that big of a production budget and, like, had the Cliff Bazinski name behind it. Wow, that is fucking Well, the thing crazy. is, is that they tried... The thing is, is that Cliff Bazinski leaned into the hardcore shooter aspect of it. Um, he wasn't necessarily anti-console, but he was solely focused on making sure that it was a PC experience, and then it obviously came to PS4. Um, I think yeah. that probably hurt it. Uh, though the characters looked unique in terms of, like, personality, they didn't have much personality. It just didn't seem to stand out enough. Um, they didn't really even push the... They tried pushing it a little bit, but it doesn't seem like they, like, doubled down on the reason it's called Lawbreakers. And, like, obviously yeah, yeah, it had to yeah. do with gravity and stuff like that, and... Um, that was that was the most interesting part to me is like oh that's why it's called lawbreakers because they're breaking the laws of gravity and physics and all this other stuff so yeah they definitely should have leaned into that more yeah I think it's just uh, we see now that if you 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 try to do something and you don't either gather the streaming audience or just a core of people who love your game it's not not going to succeed and. This was yep. a game with a big budget behind it. They put a lot of money into E3. I don't know if you remember them having that giant thing on the outside of the Coliseum that said Lawbreakers. Like, that's not cheap. Um, I think Radical Hearts was a sm- uh, Radical Hearts. Radical Heights was a smart move. 
Uh, like he said, though, they did it a little bit too late. It was successful in terms of the numbers they were trending for people getting interested in it. And the people who were playing it said they had a lot of good core mechanics and concepts in it. He just said it was too late for it to financially move the needle for Bosky and its ultimate downfall. Uh, he also shared a bunch of art from games they pitched to studios. Um, there were some really cool ones. There was one called Dragon Files, which was essentially a game where you would ride dragons that were kind of like your ships in combat, and you would find oh, eggs and raise them and stuff, and the artwork dude, looked phenomenal. Yeah, this looks like one of my fucking dream games right here. Like, sci-fi fantasy combined, and just some of those character designs and models look so fucking cool. It's like, god damn, this sucks. Yeah, it was like, to me it was like if CD Projekt read from software and like old Kojima Productions like worked on a game together. It's like, there's all this stuff like mixed in. Um, Basically his biggest complaint too was stating that a tough thing you have when you're pitching to publishers is that if you give them something that's a take on something that's currently popular, they'll say it's too similar and they don't want to go into that because they already have something in their catalog that kind of hits that. But if you go too unique, they say, well, it's too unique, we don't want to take a chance on that. He said, so it's a very hard line to walk with investors. And he said uh, some of the games that he showcased, he pitched to Microsoft and Sony and EA and Ubisoft, and he got turned down time after time after time because they just didn't want his pitches. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's sad. Maybe it is that he's an old head in the gaming industry and, you know, companies are turning elsewhere. Uh, it's, it's it's difficult to say. I think he still has a lot of talent left in him. Obviously, he knows how to make great video games. He gave us one of the best third-person shooters of all time in Gears of War. Um, revolutionary in a lot of aspects for cover-based shooters. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It happens. I think he's going to do the same thing where he goes quiet for a couple of years and then we hear about what he's doing next. I don't think he goes solo again, in my opinion. I think the next time we see him, he's partnering with a publisher and he's, he's going to be starting... Uh, a studio for them instead of his own thing working for if that makes sense um Yo, phil spencer scoop him up man give him a studio yeah it's it's tough but i think we'll see cliffy b again or as he likes to be called now cliff Bozinski. i think since like mid 2010 2012 he's not wanted to be called cliffy b which rightfully so it's more of a kid related name not so much a experienced grown adult um the next news story here, Rage 2. So we were talking about the, the Rage 2 announcement via the Walmart leak. And uh, people were speculating if it was planned by Bethesda, which it wasn't. Um, they were wondering what they were doing. They kind of leaned into it and showcased uh, through various um, social media posts that they were going to be doing an announcement on the 14th of May. Um, turns out that, um, I don't have this written on the story, but Pete Hines talked about that their a plan all along was to start teasing it on Friday of last week and then reveal it on Monday still. But because of the leak from Walmart, they actually uh, accelerated their, their teasing of it and they started a lot earlier in the week when that leak happened. So they just they, they were planning to do it on Friday and they just extended it out a little bit more. Um, I, I love the way he... Because uh, the leak came out and he retweeted it or someone quoting it or something, article about it, and he says, this is why we can't have nice things. And so <laughs> and you're like... Well, there you go. It's confirmed. <laughs> yeah, the leak was so, real, and then their their yeah, all their stuff officially came out. It's a, it's a good team though to be able to move it like that, you know, extend it a little <laughs> bit and yeah, readjust. They, it's just funny, man. Like, let's say the leak didn't happen and they still revealed it at the time that they were going to. Um, Dom, I mentioned this to Jared last week, but I'm just getting tired of this like pre E3 uh, game 
reveals like yeah all these companies the month before shadow the tomb raider rage 2 all these games are being revealed right now it's like better dude, than I having it, leaked. it two weeks before right well but they were going to do it anyways that's what i'm saying pretend the leak didn't even happen yeah like they were still going to uh, uh, reveal it before e3 and so well, i'm just like right so they got beat even further i'm talking about the reason they're scheduling these announcements in the weeks you know leading up to it is because they don't you know this time the leaks still beat them, but they were hoping to have beat the pre E three leaks that always happen. Yeah, I they just think Rage Two gets buried at E three, honestly. Like I know, and that's the thing is like, yeah. yeah, they those types of games will get buried or not even necessarily buried, but just not the pop that you get when you're the only game being talked about for several days. I get that, but it does just kind of suck for the consumer, for the audience that is trying to, you know, get excited about E three. Don't get me wrong, I'm sure that there's gonna be a truckload of stuff to be excited for and that we're surprised by at this upcoming E3, but it just kind of takes the wind out of the sails a little bit, and it's like, kind of like when they're selling uh, Christmas decorations, like around the time for Halloween uh, in the stores, you know, it's like, dude, can we just enjoy this? Can we enjoy what we're doing right now? And then when it's time for that, we'll enjoy that. Can we just, you know, separate that a little bit? Yeah. I think in a positive note, I think this means that Bethesda has something bigger that they're showing. And I think them themselves sure, yeah. knew that, like, not only was Rage 2 going to get buried during E3, it was going to get buried during their own conference, you know? And so yeah. What, whereas, like, say... of the actual game, though? Uh, uh, okay. R- real quick, Dude. hold on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, finish our... Uh, yeah, so real quick, um, because even, like, if a Doom 2 gets announced, right... And we'll get into that, why that's still a possibility. If a Doom 2 gets announced, and even like Starfield or something huge gets announced, Doom 2 can still kind of survive there, right? Alongside that. Obviously, it won't get as much yeah. exposure, but it'll still survive. It's a critically acclaimed game. Rage 2 will definitely get dumped. Um, I'm going to go over some of these details. What was the question you asked, Dumb? Like, based on the trailer and then the gameplay trailer that came out, like, what do you actually think of it? Because so, I'm like, whoa, that's... That's interesting. Oh, I'm excited really? for so, it. I love yeah, the first for me. Yeah, I love Borderlands. And what do you guys think is the one thing that can make Borderlands even better for me personally? Uh, Screaming lunatics with Mad Max. A game with a decent story and environments with more than two characters. If Not Borderlands so. was in third person. It would be my motherfucking jam. Not that it's Rage third person. Rage is first yeah. person. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's first person. I could have sworn there. I could have sworn I saw a gameplay where it was third person. That's it was just for the well, cinematic I mean, trailer. The first Rage was first person, and they've announced that this one's first person as well. Oh God! Well, why can't we just <laughs> fucking switch? It's a Bethesda game. Can I just fucking switch, please? But anyways, yeah, uh, I'm still excited for it. You know that, like, I'll play any first person game if it's good. It's just. If it was third person, then I, I think this is going to be I a think, solid seven or eight. I don't think this is going to be game of the year or anything. I just think it's going to be a really solid game. Yeah. It's being developed yeah. by uh, Avalanche Studios, who are the guys who made Mad Max from a couple of years ago, along with Bethesda. Uh, so Avalanche Studios is is helping them in, yeah. in part developing this. Um, the big thing is Avalanche Studios is also the, the studio behind Just Cause 4. So when this was announced that they're working on this, people were afraid that Just Cause 4 might not be happening. But I looked into it, and Just Cause 3 came out in December of 2015, and Mad Max came out in September of the same year. So they had two yeah, games that they worked on come out the same year. So they're a big studio. 
Um, I'm pretty sure they have either like a Canadian or American team and then a European team, if I remember yeah. correctly about those games. So, so yeah. this game doesn't take away from Just Cause 4 happening. Um, it's a chaotic Correct. open world. It'll bring frenetic action of Doom to the, an open world, is what their statement is. Um, it's a mix of on-foot shooting and vehicular combat, which is the same in the first Rage game. And they also stated your character has an overdrive mechanic that rewards aggressive gameplay. Uh, it's kind of a sequel to Doom's Glory Kill system, which you'll remember, Dom, um, where you received health and ammo, but this one also gives you gun abilities and increases your chances for better rewards from fallen enemies uh, if you're very aggressive. So it rewards aggressive gameplay as well. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Like I said, Dom, I, you're kind of lukewarm on it. I don't think it's going to be a, a 10 out of 10, but I do think it's going to be a solid 7 or 8. I think it's going to be a fun game, if all anything. So, yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, looks fun. Yeah, looks I'm, like I'm excited for it. And I do understand where you're coming from, Dom, where it's like, really, is this like neon Mad Max thing not already played out? I totally get that, but I still think there's room for it, and I think this one's going to do it well. And, you know, god damn it, why are... This Borderlands 3 shit is it's just pissing me off. Yeah. I don't know if you're planning on mention that, Jared, but like... That's not in the news, but it, it, it potentially got delayed till next year. Uh, Activision came yeah, out and said like, that we can expect two franchises... Uh, this year, and then, yeah, Borderlands got delayed. They didn't say Borderlands, but their like, their big marquee title got delayed. Um, Gearbox next- is a talented studio, but I think that specifically I attribute it to Randy Pitchford making poor business decisions because I think you see that with Aliens Colonial Marines, which they dumped a bunch of money into, and Dude Nukem that they dumped a, mu- dumped a bunch of money into, and then Battleborn that they dumped a bunch of money into, and none of those games were really good or successful. And it's like, all the while, you could have been making... And, like, the pre-sequel. Why did we have the pre-sequel? Why didn't you just wait and make Borderlands 3? I know this is a tangent, but I'm just, like, I'm getting tired of the... Like last year when they were like, oh, we're looking for people to help us start working on Borderlands 3. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're not already halfway through developing this game? Yeah. My personal opinion is I think it was set to come out this year, maybe at the early next year. And because of the... The, the loot box situation, how it's continued, I think they're they're having to strip that away from the game and kind of retool it. Because I would almost, I would bet you a million dollars that if that game released this year or last year, it would have had microtransactions in it. Oh, God. In today's current age of games, it like, just leads to all to it. Yeah, because like, you know, Borderlands, the series, is all about loot boxes, but not paid loot boxes. It's like all about, you know, it's a looter shooter, so it's like getting new stuff in these boxes that you open up or from enemies that you kill and so i can totally imagine you know just out in the environment alongside all the other boxes that you're already opening there's like these special gold ones and they're they're just interrupting your game constantly like well you can't open this one unless you pay us some other extra money and yeah uh, i don't i do not want to fuck with that um, we're running a little long, so I want to get through these next couple of stories kind of quickly so we can get to the two meaty ones. Um, so the Black Ops 4 reveal happened the day of recording this. They kind of confirmed that there's no single-player campaign. They showed off multiplayer with a couple of new aspects. There's a health bar. You have to manually heal now, which is kind of weird. Um, they also showed off zombies with a couple of maps. Um, but the biggest thing is at the end of the show, they, they basically revealed their Battle Royale mode. It's called Blackout. Uh, they didn't mention the number of players. They didn't show gameplay. Um, they showed the, the map, the scale of the map, uh, not actual gameplay of the map. They just kind of showed like a 3D rendering of it. Uh, they said vehicles <laughs> will be usable. Um, they said that the map is going to be made up in a Frankenstein sort of way with some of the people's favorite parts of older Black Ops maps. And it's going to let you play as characters from past Black Ops games, 
which is funny because they act like there's so many characters people care about. I would say there's probably four or five from the Black Ops series that people care about. A couple from the first Black Ops, a couple from the second, and one or two from the third. So it's like not, they don't have like this bevy of characters that people love. It's not like the Modern Warfare series where there it seems like there's at least like I would say like maybe nine or ten in the three games. Um, so that was really interesting. Uh, they were questioned about whether or not it's going to have a hundred players. They said they have no information at this time. So uh, that probably means it's not, um, or they're not sure anyways. Yeah, um, they don't know if they can do it yet. They're working on it, right? Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. There was a mixed bag on Twitter of people talking about how this might be the next big battle royale. Other people saying it's going to be crap, obviously, in typical Call of Duty fashion. Um, I think it's interesting. I still want to wait to see what actually goes down before people start claiming this is the next great battle royale game. A lot of questions. Call of Duty's never made a map this big. Um, their Activision is notorious for nasty and weird macrotransactions in their Call of Duty games. They delayed their macrotransactions on Call of Duty World War II last year for a couple of months to kind of get away from the launch of the game. They do some weird stuff with Call of Duty and macrotransactions and having a uh, Battle Royale mode, they might lean into those. So I'm not sold on it yet, but we'll see. Um, real quick, we have a, a, some Xbox news. I was originally we were going to talk about the adaptive controller, which I'll mention, but the inside Xbox show is happening as we're recording this. They have some updates that I want to get to. Um, so they announced that Divinity Original Sin 2 is currently in game preview. It launched today. Um, that's obviously the super highly rated uh, PC RPG. Um, another weird announcement that I saw here is they announced an arcade experience called Halo Fireteam Raven. It looks like uh, like Time Splitters, like a Time Splitters arcade cabinet, but Halo. Really interesting. Um, the other thing that they announced was the um, next update for Sea of Thieves, which is going to bring some more content there. Uh, and they also announced that on May 24th, the week from the recording of the show, the second map, the desert map for PUBG, is launching. So this is interesting because these are a couple of things that they could have saved for E3, but they didn't. Um, the adaptive controller, which I'll get into shortly, the Sea of Thieves big update, as well as the PUBG update, uh, means that they might do some different things at E3 regarding those certain um, franchises. Um, but the adaptive controller, I don't know if you guys saw this, they launched the trailer for this yesterday, and it's really an cool. accessibility controller that has a lot of different ports um, and jacks and USB uh, inputs for people with disabilities. You can customize it totally to your, to your own needs. Um, Satya Nadella, who's the CEO of Microsoft, uh, or Satya Nadella, as you would pronounce Satya. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, he basically said that they're not getting any financial gain off of this, that they're operating at a loss with this device. But he said, uh, I forgot his, his exact quote, but he essentially said, not all financial gains are monetary, something like that. Right. Something, yeah. It's, it's a very good look for them. Yeah. So even if they're losing money on making it, um, which I think they might end up being surprised. I think it might sell pretty well, but it's probably expensive to produce, but it's a very, very good look right now for them. Very heartwarming trailer, too. Yeah, <laughs> very. Yeah. Once again, another great move by Xbox. <laughs> Just knocking it out of yeah. the park again. Yeah. And the quality of it looks nice, too. It doesn't look like a cheap product. It looks like it, yeah. it, it, it was directly inspired by the new Xbox One controller, and it, it looks beautiful, and it runs great. And it's great to see it in use with the different people with different disabilities and needs. And, yeah, it's very – the trailer is very heartwarming. It's like well, – I. I I'm surprised that they're not confident it's going to sell well, dude. They're they're opening up an entire new market that couldn't even play games before, or yeah, I don't barely, know. right? I don't know if they're not they're not they don't think it's going to sell well. I think they just want to get it out there. They're like, hey, it costs more to make these than what we're selling them for. You know what I mean? I think it's that kind of thing. 
like the production cost is more than what we're selling it for. I don't necessarily think they think that like, oh, we're not going to sell tons of these. Um, I will just say that I think that to this day, disabled gamer gamers are way underserved. It's honestly like mind-boggling to me how few features they have for people like that, and um, it's upsetting to me just because I I want uh, the most amount of people to experience games, especially those that want to but aren't given the proper chance or opportunity to. Um, and part of this goes to stuff that I, as a non-disabled gamer, would like, you know, like, just make make it standard in every game for you to be able to remap every single key. That would help everyone, and specifically it would go a long way for disabled gamers. So there's stuff like that, and... This, um, this actually know, works... Turning on and off subtitles. The... Yeah. This, there's, uh... there's stuff like that that's still not standard, so just, like, it just needs to be done, you know? This controller works in congruence with an app that lets you completely remap the controller. By the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's really cool. Really interesting device. Glad it exists. Um, the next two stories are... I think one is bigger than the other, um, but I wanted to touch on this one just because I think it's weird. Obviously, you two are PlayStation First gamers, um, but Sean Layden recently came out in the in the PlayStation Blogcast, which is their um, blog podcast thing, and he went on there to talk about E3, and he basically stated that four games will be the focus of their E3 2018 presentation. He stated that those games will receive extensive insight into each game. Um, he said that these would be the first-party focus, but they would also have surprises from third-party partners and indies. Um, he hinted that this year's media event will be different from the ones in years past, um, which is weird. The four games that he said would be the primary focus are Last of Us Part Two, Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima, and Spider-Man PS4. Spider-Man PS4 obviously will be a huge thing at E3. They want to build that up for the release later this fall. Um, in my opinion, I think Ghost of Tsushima is their big 2019 game. I think that comes out in the Horizon Zero Dawn God of War slot for next year. That game's been worked on for so long. Death Stranding, I think, is a way off, and Last of Us, I think, is a year and a half to two years off. But I want to hear from you guys. Like, Obviously, as PlayStation gamers who are excited for the conference, is this weird? It's For me, it's weird. Not that we won't see games that we don't know exist, because I think that's going to be part of it, obviously. I think it's weird that Sean Layden would go out of his way to get on a podcast and make sure to let everybody know this year's event is different and we're focusing on this four games. It seems like he's getting ahead of, of like expectations. I don't know. What do you yeah. guys think? I mean, it's weird that he said it, yeah, but that's about what I would have expected exact, you know, them to do. Yeah. Well, but it sounds anything. to me like, well, you're thinking like, yeah, they're going to have a demo of Spider-Man. Yeah, they're going to have a demo of Last of Us. But it sounds to me like they're going to have chunks. Like, yeah. like those those are going to be the pillars of the conference and then everything else is filler. So, like, those are just filling up the cracks. The games that we don't know about or a DLC announcement for, like, Monster Hunter World or whatever. Those yeah. are just in between these larger, um, almost, like, extended demos. Yeah. I think outside of this, the only other first-party thing I can consider is a God of War DLC announcement. It'll be roughly about the same time, maybe a couple, three or four weeks. Uh, from, from I don't think so. Well, real Just quick. because from when Horizon Roy Barlog said like he won't or whatever. Yeah. The developers say things. <laughs> um, yeah. But like Horizon Zero Dawn came out, and they said that we wouldn't hear anything, and then we had a DLC announcement at E3 a couple of months later for the Frozen Wilds, is I believe is what it was called. And yep. I could potentially mm-hmm. see that. I agree with you. Maybe Corey Barlog's right and we aren't going to see that. Um, but I think this is also... 
I don't want to say an issue, but this is kind of what happens when you do what Sony did with their first party of lining it up where every year you're giving people what's going to be in the future, right? And you're always a couple of years ahead of yourself. Is there comes a point where they're preparing for the next generation and all of their first party studios have either already worked on something or they're in super early pre-pro that there isn't a whole lot new to show in terms of first party. And on top of the fact that Sony has done a different strategy to Microsoft where instead of having a bigger hour and a half to two hour conference where you just game, 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 PlayStation's like, no, we're going to have a packed in 45 to an hour game, a little bit of stuff, big game, a little bit of stuff, big game. And I think with that, they just don't want to build up expectations for us to possibly see any new first party thing. I think the big major things we're going to see are probably like Kingdom Hearts 3, Devil May Cry 5. Call of Duty, obviously, the Destiny expansion. The problem is, he talks about indies. Are they returning to showing that? Or does he mean by showing them at their conference, it's in the pre-show again? Dreams is probably going to be in the pre-show. I'm okay with this. I just think that it's... For people who expect giant surprises every year, I think he did this to make sure they don't get let down. But I still think people are going to be let down. Because I don't think... They might have maybe one surprise, but I do think it's what Sean Layden says. We're, we're going to start off the show. It's going to be an extended demo of Spider-Man to get people excited. Then it's going to be some third-party stuff, a giant demo of uh, Ghost of Tsushima, and then you? Last, uh, Last of Us Part Two is going to end the show, and Death Stranding is going to be somewhere in there where Kojima gives us a little bit of gameplay or something, you know? Um, yeah, do you think we're going to see Death Stranding gameplay debut? I think so, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a demo as Tsushima or uh, Spider-Man. Obviously, I think Spider-Man is going to have the most gameplay shown. I think Tsushima is going to have quite a bit because the game's been worked on for so long. Last of Us Part 2, I think, might be partly cinematic, partly gameplay. And I think Death Stranding is going to be a little bit of gameplay. I think that game's still farther off. If I had to rate them in terms of when they're coming out, I think Spider-Man comes out first, obviously. Ghost of Tsushima next year. I think Last of Us Part 2 is expected for fall of next year, but possibly gets pushed. And then I think uh, Death Stranding is 2020. That's what I think. I put Days Gone next year also. Well, they already announced. That's early 2019. Yeah. Okay. But see, that's a problem too. They didn't even say that that's in the show. That there in those recent Which Game Informer articles. with that game. They've definitely got some issues with Dreams, with Death Stranding, and with... Uh, days gone about when these games are releasing how much hype do you want to give because they've already been hyped up and people i think in some ways not necessarily with death stranding but with the other two have fallen off the hype train so they have to be very careful and meticulous about the way that they handle those three games from here on out i think with this uh sorry not Death stranding days gone they don't want to show it again and get people like kind of tired of it because last year they had the weird demonstration where the guy was like hanging you know, like in the theater, oh upside God. down and stuff. And I think they are not pulling that shit again this year. I guarantee you. I, I think they already kind of pulled the trigger on doing a big showcase set piece for Days Gone, and I think maybe they're expecting it to come out earlier or something or build up more hype. And they saw that people were kind of reserved on their judgment of it. And I think since this year might be a big end game at the end of it for Last of Us Part Two, they don't want to have Days Gone in there as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, since it was yeah. featured last I year, I would so. I would just save it for PSX. Well, who the fuck knows how they're doing PSX, man? Or Paris like, Games Week. It was worth more likely. Yeah, yeah. I, probably Paris Games Week because they just did some weird shit for P- 
PSX last year. That was jacked up what they did, but um, I think PSX is the perfect. If it's coming out spring 2019, talking about Days Gone, I think PSX is the perfect timing for them to show something like, yeah, we didn't really talk about it E3, PGW, like, let's let's ramp it up right here before it launches and get people excited again. Yeah, and people are partially expecting, and we'll get into it when we record our E3 predictions podcast, people want to see From's new game and they think it's Bloodborne 2. There's a lot of rumors oh. pointing to it not being that at all. Yeah, I don't think it is, um, unfortunately. There's a lot of rumors pointing to Blue Point's next remaster not being a Sony property, so it's tough to tell if there even will be a new surprise. And on the opposite end of that, do they need that? Because if you have those four main games, you give us That's a, king- a lot, man. yeah, you give us a Kingdom Hearts release uh, date, right? And you reveal Devil May Cry Five, both as third-party games. I think well, that satiates a conference enough, you know. Kingdom Hearts release date would probably be at Square Enix conference since they're having one. Well, I think it'll uh, also oh, yeah. show up on Sony's though. I th- yeah, but yeah. just not the release date. Like, it'll just be like a little trailer or something, maybe. If even that, since they might already be packed and Square does have their own conference. It would be great. I don't think this would ever happen. It would be crazy if Microsoft is like, here's an, here's a blank check. We want Kingdom Hearts to show up on our stage. Because that would happen before Square Enix's showcase, because theirs is on Sunday. That would be dope. It's possible. They had the stuff with uh, Metal Anthem. Gear... The original yeah. Metal Gear Rising and uh, with Final Fantasy Thirteen, I was going towards like stuff that's traditionally thought of as PlayStation games, Don, yeah. that showed up on Xbox oh, stage. Okay. Um, but also, I don't think this is going to happen at E3, but don't sleep on old Studio Japan making Bloodborne 2. It doesn't have to be from software, you know, it could be someone else. So I'm still holding that hope. I'm kind of just like thinking out loud right now because I don't want it to be a dead dream. Yeah, Bloodborne and seeing the way that From approaches those games, I think that's people's best bet for possibly getting a Bloodborne 2. I think they kind of want to, they had their stay with that kind of gameplay, and they seem like a studio that wants to reinvent themselves and push themselves. So Yeah, um, Studio Japan could do it. They're talented enough, Yeah, especially we, now that they don't. We rarely get, like, substantial Pokemon news, and I love Pokemon. It's one of my favorite franchises, and I know you two are very curious about, I don't know, Dom, if you are, maybe, about Pokemon Switch, obviously. Um, there was yeah. a, there was a ton of rumors this past week, and there was some updated information, so I want to go through this, and I want to talk to you guys through it, because I think out of us three, I think I'm obviously, I think, the most involved in Pokemon as a whole, and I know you're not far behind me, Jordan, and Dom, you're like a, a Fairweather kind of fan, right? You fell off, but you would possibly be interested in a new entry if they change some things? I Yeah, I fell off when I was 10. So. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I love the franchise, but I don't follow it, like, uh, in between the games like you do, Jared. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, if the movie comes out or they're doing a new season of the show, I'll pipe up. Uh, but, like, when they're talking about Pokemon... Well, I do like the leaks that we get with, like, the, the drawings and stuff of the different Pokemon, but other than that, oh, yeah. yeah, like, when they're unveiling officially new Pokemon and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'll just wait for the game. To well, yeah, and, like, I don't think you've ever even thought of the idea of trying to do a living Dex or, like, all that stuff. Oh, no. It's like, no, 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 no. Yeah, you're not, not ingrained I, that I much as I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I want to get through some of these rumors, so I'm just going to go through the list I have made. So, tons of rumors were flying around this week, uh, stating that the Pokemon Switch games would be Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, uh, which they've been teased by Masa, uh, the, the game's producer, uh, Masada, on uh, his Twitter. So, he posted a picture, and this is after the fact. When these names were leaked, people went back to look at his Twitter and saw that he was actually teasing them. He posted a picture of Luigi standing behind a Pikachu and an Eevee, and obviously the Mario brothers are known for saying, let's-a-go. So, he was actually teasing, let's-go, Pikachu, and Eevee. 
Oh, um, is this like some random uh, rabbits? Mario no, no, no. Let me let me go through the rumors. Uh, I'll don't worry. So the reason it's potentially called Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee is because of the Pokemon Go integration. Don't get too crazy. Don't get too mad. Just let oh, me finish God, with everything. Jared, every, it's like you've made <laughs> about three points now, and each time it's gotten worse. So it's going to get better as I go down, though. So don't worry. Okay. So okay. so this is the culmination of all the rumors I found, and these are all of these are. The ones that all add up to the highest degree of everyone saying the same thing, if that makes sense. Because there's some other rumors going around that say otherwise, but this is like the majority of the rumors, okay? That are like all lining up with one another. And have almost like 80% been confirmed. So apparently these games take place in Kanto, but in the future. So Kanto is the region from red and blue, Dom. So apparently that this game takes place in a future version of Kanto... Red and Blue, the two characters from the, the original Kanto. game, are in the game, but they're actually not the play- player and the rival that you play as. They're involved in this, heavily involved in the story, but they're, you play as a different trainer with the new rival. Um, it's like an Elseworld. It, yeah, or yeah, I guess. It's like Kingdom Come Pokemon. Um, the crazy thing here is it features new evolutions of the OG 151 as well as Kanto farms uh, forms for non-Kanto Pokemon. So essentially... Ooh, I don't know about that. Don't know about that. So essentially, well, there has to be a way for them to add new Pokemon to, to the game. That's just kind of the stickler for that. So there's going to be evolutions to the original 151 in the same way we've gotten baby versions of the Pokemon and the trade versions. And there's going to be Kanto forms of non-Kanto Pokemon. So in Pokemon Sun and Moon Dom... Out of, there was all the new Pokemon for that game, right? The new Generation 7. But there was versions Alolan. of Pokemon you're familiar with that had Alolan forms. So there was, you know how Vulpix is normally uh, red? In Alola, uh, if you catch a Vulpix in Alola, it's white and it's an ice type. So essentially they're going to yeah, do the reverse where there's non-Kanto Pokemon from other generations that are in Kanto, but they have different forms as well. Um, huh. so I went over I went over the, bl- uh, the blue and red stuff. <laughs> Um, so the starters for the game are actually going to be Pikachu and Eevee. So this is going the way what of the Pokemon fuck, Yellow. Man. This is going the way of Pokemon Yellow where you... This is going the way... Sorry. This is going the way of Pokemon Yellow where you had Pikachu as a starter. You didn't pick a starter. Um, and Pikachu is rumored to have a third evolution, uh, which is actually an evolution the creator of Pokemon talked about was originally supposed to be in the games. I think his name is Gorachu, the Japanese name. It might be different. Um, but, funny fact, all of the yellow, all of the mouse electric Pokemon in uh, all of the generations, they're the only Pokemon that keep their Japanese name. All the other names get translated to an English name. All the electric mice Pokemon are the ones that keep their names kind of like a tradition. And Eevee would be the starter for the other version for Let's Go Eevee, which was the starter for your rival in Pokemon Yellow as well. Um, So uh, in Pokemon Silver and Gold, you had the the ability for where your Pokemon followed you. I don't know if you guys remember that. Where like when you're in the overworld, your Pokemon followed you. That's returning. Um, Pokey Rider is returning, so instead of having the HM Slaves, you have all of the abilities, which I think is a smart move for the progression of the series. I think HM Slaves are a waste of space in your party. Um, Utility Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> makes it a lot easier. So the Pokemon Go integration, uh, here's where you're worried, Jordan. So basically the integration, there's two main things. One, 
You can transport your Pokemon from Pokemon Go into your Switch game via the Pokemon Bank. Oh, that's bullshit. That's fucking garbage, man, because you're telling me that you sat there with your fucking <laughs> so phone, crazy. and you're just like, da, 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 and then it's like, well, I, as an actual real fucking hardcore MLG-ass motherfucking gamer, came in and actually went in the game, did the battle with the Pokemon, because Pokemon Go doesn't have fucking Pokemon battles, and then I actually, like, had to catch him, like, get his health down and, like, strategize. How much health? Do I attack him again? Do I just leave him where he's at? Yada, yeah. yada. That's how an actual fucking trainer does it, not this goddamn tap and swipe and shit. It's yeah. bullshit. So, like. yeah, you can transport them if you'd like. Um, and the other thing is that this is, in all of the rumors, every single one said this was optional. So if it's not optional, everyone lied. You have the option... If you're in handheld mode, oh to use to touch screen catch Pokemon the way you do in Pokemon Go. Oh my god damn it! <laughs> or if you're in docked mode to use motion controls on the Switch. Jesus uh, but those those are all optional. And th basically what they're saying is those are implemented for Pokemon Go players who got back into the series to feel comfortable in the new game. But they everyone reiterated they're completely optional because almost every Pokemon fan was worried that this... Once they heard Pokemon Go integration, they were worried, right? Um, because Pokemon isn't a very dense RPG, so to water that down even more is yeah, really bad. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, so, Jared. One of the cool things with the power of the Nintendo Switch, one of the rumors is that wild Pokemon are shown in the overworld. Like, there's no random encounters anymore. It's like you'll nice. actually see the Pokemon on the screen, which is really like cool. Like in uh, Nino Kuni. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other rumor suggests it's releasing this year, and this is. Uh, I'll get into this big talking point after the update. So the update, let's go Pikachu.com and let's go Eevee.com were both registered a couple of days ago as of recording this episode by the same third-party company that Nintendo uses that also registered Sun and Moon websites. And oh, when those, they think they're so sly. When those let's get a shell company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When those URLs were registered, we got the reveal of those games less than a week later. Yeah. So people are assuming that we're going to see the same thing and we're going to get this reveal. Pokemon normally never reveals at E3. They have their own event. They're a separate entity Bro, from Nintendo. Um, I bet it's happening tomorrow. Possibly, yeah, exactly. We're going to have to be talking about this a week late. The thing I want to talk about, though, this is the biggest divide in the rumors. Everything else, like I said, is almost 100% a lock in terms of what everybody's saying. Yeah. This is the biggest 50-50 split. And for me, I want to get into it because I know some people are going to be disappointed by half of the rumor. So, half of the rumors suggest that it's HD up-res 3DS art style from Moon. So, it's just up oh higher God. versions of those, right? Which would suck, but I think people are getting their expectations too high for the first version of a Pokemon game on a new system. I could Actually, I'll just say this real quick. I do know for a fact they built the character models and all that shit for Sun and Moon as HD and then downgraded yeah. them for 3DS. So that may not be as big of a deal. Yeah. Also, we never really see crazy jumps in technology from one generation to the next. So, like, mm -hmm. I know that obviously the Switch has a lot more power than 3DS, but you're talking about a team that's built 3DS games nonstop for the past, like, what, eight years? So I th expecting their first game on the next system to be a giant jump is kind of crazy. The next game after that, if that's not a giant giant jump, then you see where they stand in terms of wanting to upgrade their game, right? Anyways, that being said, that's half of the rumors. The other half strongly suggest, and this is verbatim, 
It's a 3D third-person JRPG specifically not in the HD evolved way from the layout of 1996 Game Boy RPG games. So basically what he's saying is it's not designed in the same way that you would expect for them to take what we've known of Pokemon since 1996 and just up it. Like, even though Sun and Moon has better graphics and you move in a 3D space, it still is based on the Game Boy RPG games, like the layout of it. Basically, he's saying we're about to pull a God of War PS4. I, I don't know about that, but... Well, well, I'm not saying, like, the caliber of the visuals or anything. I'm just saying, like, the way the gameplay has changed so massively for God of yeah, War PS4. Yeah. Because that change was fundamental. Like you have, you control the camera now, so that was a pretty big, right. yeah, big thing. So I could see the comparison. Yeah, and it could yeah. possibly be a different camera perspective. But that's the biggest rumor divide, guys. Is one half of these people are saying that it's up-res 3DS art style, Sun and Moon, just a way prettier version of that, and other people mm-hmm. are saying it's a completely different direction. And like Jordan made a point, there's a case for both of those happening. Um, if I was a betting man, if you like said you had to bet your life on one of these two things, I would say I would put money on the 3DS HD upres, upres. Yep. as opposed to Thank the you. other thing. But I, Pokemon games are long in terms of playtime, but in terms of design, their team's probably not small, and I could definitely see them pulling the ladder off. Um, so yeah. it's, it's very tough. Like I said, that's the biggest divide in terms of rumors. Everything else was like mm. 100% everybody saying the same thing. Um, with all that being so, said... Sorry, go ahead, Jordan, before I close out. I was just going to say, regardless of that last part where the rumor is divided between up-res or totally new deal, um, well, actually, I'd probably like the up-res more just because I want a fucking console Pokemon game that is the real deal Pokemon RPG on console. And everything else that uh, has been brought to the table here today and then that we've heard in the past, I'm like... Please don't make some, like, half Pokemon Stadium, half, like, Battle Revolution, like, you know, uh, Pokemon Tournament bullshit. Like, give me the real deal on Switch. And I'm, I'm just so worried, especially now. I'm so worried that that's not the case, and I really want it. To. I think it'll be core. I think it'll be core Pokemon through and through. That, that's something I'm not worried about. I think people's expectations. I think the big hit or miss with people is going to be the graphic style. And for me, I'm fine with either one. Um, yeah, I don't care. And a lot of the systems they have in place greatly improve the game. It's just some of the minor tweaks. Um, I know the the evolutions to original 151 sound a little bit sketchy, but from what I've seen with the Lola, I don't think they're adding a ton of new Pokemon evolutions. I think there's probably going to be like maybe 15 to a max of 20 of new evolutions for Kanto starters. And you also have to think about, Jordan, there's like a ton of those start those 151 that don't even have like evolution lines. They're just like one That's true. Yeah. That's true. And I'm okay. Like I was cool when they added evolutions to pre-existing Pokemon for silver and gold crystal. Yeah. Um, and I also will say that I really liked most of the Alolan evolutions. Um, my biggest thing is just don't lean on that. Like, if yeah, anything, yeah. I would say bring up this like random story shit where it's like oh well Kanto was hit by this comet and it's been like a Pokemon rebirth so we have all these new Pokemon in Kanto like it's still Kanto with the original 151 but this comet from Planet Krypton brought yeah. all these crazy well, new Pokemon you know one thing it's Elseworlds now one thing I want to add before we close out is some people are speculating it's weird that they wouldn't just call this like red and blue something or like hint towards it being a remake of those games specifically or yellow 
People, yeah. another rumor that was floating around that isn't as tangible and hardcore as these, because these are like the ones everyone was saying. One of the other suggestions or rumors that people are saying is, what if this game starts in Kanto but also includes Johto, which is the second region? Um, which would be interesting. Like, what depend? What is the post game? What is the the scope of this world? We don't even know. Though it's we're going back to Kanto, Jordan. What if these cities are bigger than we remember? They're not going to be Grand Theft Auto or anything, obviously. But like, some of those cities are like three houses in the original, you know? So yeah, yeah. Well, they're like villages, and you were saying like, oh, well, red and blue are the original guys. Um, they are grown up, so maybe you know these uh, cities and towns have grown up and expanded as well. That that makes sense. Yeah. Over time. Or like, what if like Cinnabar so, Island is completely like encapsulated by volcanic like lava and stuff? Interesting yeah, ideas, yeah. yeah. Um, I know me and you are super interested. Dom, where does this leave you? I know you're not super interested in Pokemon, but, like, if... Would you be willing to try it out with this game, if it's announced? Yeah, this would be the one, the scenario, you know, pretty much the lone scenario where I would be interested, because it's a Yellow remake. Like, I played Yellow, you know, when I was a kid, so I... Yeah, you have the nostalgia, yeah. This would be, like, the one I would play, or Red or Blue, or uh, even Silver or Gold, Um but yeah, assuming this is this is all true, I mean, this is I'm 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 down like 100. Um, percent What's what's like one hard out for you? Obviously, not including like if it's not Pokemon Yellow and it's like some weird new region. But like outside of that, what would be one thing that necessarily wouldn't make it so you're hard out, but like would definitely get you like Ugh, I don't I don't know. Entirely different Pokemon. Okay. Then I just don't care because like yeah. the newer games, I'm like I don't these are all weird they're getting they're getting way too weird for me like i've seen some of them I'm like you guys are just it's there's too many and so you're naturally running out of ideas and it's just fucking weird but my thing with the new um, ones is like there's still cool ones it's just the percentage of cool ones is way lower than the sure. previous yeah generations. yes and i'm not seeing all of them so i can't yeah you're probably right i would probably think a lot of the new ones are cool but a bunch of them i've seen i'm just like okay that's also, to a non-Gen 1-er, some of the Gen 1, I think it's a nostalgia, has a heavy factor in that too, you know? Um, yeah. Well, I remember back when they re-released uh, Red and Blue on 3DS, and it sold ridiculously well. Yeah. Um, and then when they first started making mobile games, a big thing they stressed was, we want to use mobile games as a way to get people onto our other platforms, right? Yeah. So, this would be the first, like, strong, even if it's not, ends up being that strong, even if it's like the smallest level of Pokemon Go type features, that would still be the strongest you know correlation they've had between a a, a mobile game and a, a console or a, you know Switch game or whatever. Yeah. So I think this this is like 100. percent This seems like it's happening. I think. Uh, in, um, in terms of evolutions, real quick, uh, Jordan, I want to state. So I know you're worried about the evolutions. Uh, Evie, mm-hmm. who's one of the starters, there's a rumor that there's gonna have a, she's gonna have a new or he or whatever both sexes, is going to have a new normal evolution line. So the thing with Eevee, I don't know if you remember, Dom, you could evolve uh, it into okay. a water-type, electric-type, fire-type. They've extended that to like almost every other generation. Eevee has a new type evolution. So Eevee I can, love Psychic and Dark. My favorite are Umbreon and Espeon. Yeah, you can evolve it into any type you want, and there's going to be nor- a new normal evolution. Um, and you can't tell me that a baby Lapras Pokemon wouldn't be cute as hell. Like a baby version <laughs> of Lapras, dude. <laughs> Baby Lapras. Yeah, I've always wondered about Lapras specifically. It's funny that you bring that up because, like, really? Lapras just come out like that, you know? Yeah. Um, Real quick, though, I wanted to say Volcanic Red and Tsunami Blue. That'd be pretty dope. I like that. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to close out the show. We ran quite a, quite a bit longer here today, but that's fine. Um, in terms of what we're going to be playing, reading, all that stuff, I'm going to be getting uh, back to reading Avengers 2. Um, on my read list, I think next I want to read Green Lantern Earth 1. Um, nice. I want to get into the Earth 1 series. Those are pretty cool. If you're not familiar, Dom, they're not Elseworld stories, but they're self-contained stories. So there's Batman Earth 1, Green Lantern Earth 1, and there's one more, right? Jordan, I think there's only three of them. Wonder Woman and Teen Titans. Teen Titans, yeah. And they're self-contained stories, and they're big, like, graphic novels. Uh, yeah, Dom? they're all graphic novels. And apparently they're really good. So I want to check out Green yeah. Lantern Earth 1. Um, going to watch Deadpool 2. already have my ticket pre-ordered. Um, in terms of playing, I'm either going to be starting Rise of the Tomb Raider, The Banner Saga, or State of Decay 1. Um, one of those three I'm going to be playing up until the release of State of Decay 2. Um, yeah. And also, I'm just sitting around waiting for a good deal on PS4. I'm not necessarily looking to buy it close to Spider-Man. I'm just looking for a really good deal, uh, and I'm willing to wait it out. Um, so, just waiting for that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Going to be continue playing Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I'm just going to be busy with the game of the generation. <laughs> God of War. You shill, Dom. So, you shill. hold on. <laughs> if it's the game of the generation and Naughty Dog's released a game this generation, does that mean that Sony Santa Monica is uh, Sony's best first party studio? Uh, no. It means that God of War is better than Uncharted 4. Okay. Okay. I'm fine with that statement. <laughs> no, it works. I'm it works, but it could, but it could be the the opposite way. Yeah, I definitely think God of War is better than Uncharted Four. Yeah, Uncharted <laughs> for that matter. Even though I do enjoy Uncharted and uh, really liked Lost Legacy, but you finishing God of War, Jordan? Uh, may not finish it because I'm kind of doing the side stuff as I go, as opposed to waiting. Because um, I don't know, you know, even though Dom, you're saying that the end game is compelling, I still don't know how much. Uh, I'm going to not even it's not that it, there's going to be uh, a lack of me being compelled but maybe I just won't really get around to it like once I beat the story it's like I don't um, I'm not being called back to it as much if there's other stuff so um, but um, either way I'm definitely going to be playing it this week and then um, besides that got Deadpool 2 tickets for later on this evening very excited about that um, let me think. Is there anything else? Um, just a couple quick shout outs. Americans is in its last season and it's going really well. I'm enjoying it. Maybe not its best season, but a very strong one nonetheless. And, um, shout out to Brooklyn and getting picked up. Yes, yeah, we. I don't know if we talked about that on the show last week, but Jared did mention it to me, and uh, I was very sad to hear because I'm a big fan of that show and just Michael Schur in general, who's the creator of the show. So it's getting picked up for a 13-episode sixth season on NBC, which it's already being produced by NBC, so it really just makes sense that it's over there. Um, and then shout-out to Atlanta, which just finished up season two, and man, was it great. It pushed further into absurdity, it uh, you know really brought the characters in interesting directions, and um, I think everyone, all the different cast members on that show, the reoccurring characters, I should say, uh, really showed their chops acting-wise, specifically some of the ones that hadn't had uh, the ability to do so. Like Donald Glover's obviously been on a lot of stuff, so that's different, but um, big shout-out to that show, too. 
Um, and then, yeah, I also want to give a little tiny shout out. Tokyo Ghoul Season 3 has gotten better. At first I was a little bit shaky on it, but um, I'm liking it quite a bit now. And so shout out to Tokyo Ghoul. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening to Episode 98 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Uh, we'll tune in next week when we talk about more video game news. If you can, please subscribe to us on YouTube. It definitely helps. Leave us a review on iTunes, even a, a you know two seconds. Just say, it's good, it's bad, whatever. Leave us five stars. You can say it's bad and have five stars, but just leave us a review if you can. Um, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jared underscore. Dom is at Dom Zarios, And Jordan is at Malamotis. Follow Controlled Interest Twitter account uh, where we tweet out when the video goes live and stuff like that. That's at C-T-R-L-I-N-T, Controlled Interest, abbreviated. Um, we're ramping up into E3. We're going to be recording our predictions podcast with all of our guests. And those will be coming out the week before E3, so stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.